and in Germany. I mean, his regime, he abused the authority under God as a civil ruler in the murdering of tens of millions of people. And he did not long endure, nor did the Third Reich. All right, we'll see some of these themes now. We took longer time with these bullets under the Romans passage. And if you look at the entire section of Romans, chapter 13, as well as the other material in the Table of Duties, you will see these themes highlighted. We have to ask ourselves the question, what is the government of the United States? This is an important question because for most Christians, we think of the Romans passage, the authorities that exist have been established by God, as referring strictly to individuals who hold office. So, for example, the king, King George of England, he was a civil authority, or the president of the United States, or the governor or congressman, and so forth. But in a constitutional republic, there is an authority that is not a person. It is a document, namely the Constitution. So in a constitutional republic, the Constitution is the highest authority established by God. It is higher than the President of the United States. It's higher than the Congress. It is even higher than the Supreme Court. In the United States, the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution also ascribe to citizens specific authority and rights, which include the right of redress, the right to peaceably assemble, the right of the freedom of worship, etc. So, according to our constitutional republic, even the citizen is one of those authorities established by God. According to the Constitution, these rights may never be infringed. A Christian citizen has the right and responsibility to exercise the authority granted him under the Constitution as long as it does not violate the Word of God. So let me give you some examples. The Christian citizen, according to the Constitution, has the right to peaceably assemble and engage in peaceful protesting, as many Christians have done at abortion clinics, promoting the sanctity of life, and so forth. That is permissible. It is not permissible to engage in rioting, to throw rocks through the windows of the abortion clinics, or to firebomb them. You follow the difference here. But the right of free association, of free assembly, and petition of redress is something that is granted to the citizens of the United States. And Christian citizens under God are called to exercise those responsibilities as part of the civil authority that has been granted them by God. The statement about such authority never being infringed, in the United States Bill of Rights, you have the government shall make no law establishing religion, or this clause is very important, or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The Constitution of the state of Wisconsin is even stronger in terms of its stress on religious liberty by saying the rights of an individual to worship Almighty God according to the dictates of his or her conscience shall never be infringed. Never infringed. So during this time of the pandemic, for example, not even at this time does the government have the right to infringe the freedom of worship. Now we as Christians in love for the neighbor are taking great precautions so as to minimize the spread of the virus and to care for the elderly and the vulnerable and so forth. But it is not given to the civil authority under God's word, on the one hand, nor under our constitutional republic, on the other, to infringe, to infringe upon such religious liberty. All right, now going into some of these texts in the next 10 minutes. The first is, of course, the Declaration of Independence. 
while formed by men who were not all Christians, many of whom influenced by the Enlightenment, some of whom were deists, which is basically the idea there is a God, but he's not very involved. He gets the ball rolling and then he washes his hands of things. There are nonetheless uh, Judeo-Christian influences in some of the language of the Declaration. And those are the things that we want to highlight. Here is the quotation, not in its entirety, but a portion thereof. When the course of human events, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with one another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and nature's God entitle them, a dissent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation, which of course was referring to from King George in England. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of Happiness. Now, in the underlying pas passage here, we have an assent to natural law under the belief that it comes from Almighty God. And, of course, it is true. Now, we can, as Christians, question what is meant by the term the pursuit of happiness because we can make an idol and a god out of pursuing happiness and material gain and so forth that might uh, contribute toward that. But the first clause in the phrase is absolutely Christian in its ori origin, namely the sanctity of life. And I would argue that the formers of the Declaration of Independence and also the Constitution spoke of liberty in terms of the freedom of the individual to care for wife and children, family, and uh, the domestic responsibilities to provide uh, for one's self. So that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men. Again, because of the problem of sin and evil to guard against lawlessness and wickedness. So these point, three points under the Declaration Ascent to natural law that comes from God. Secondly, all men, all human beings are created equal. And human rights come from God and transcend all earthly governments and authority. Chief among them is the right to life or the sanctity of human life. Now, in the Gettysburg Address, delivered at the uh, dedication of the cemetery in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, Abraham Lincoln spoke some of the most memorable words in the history of the United States. And among the things that are interesting about what he spoke flies in the face of so much of what we're hearing today. And that is the United States of America is founded upon racism. It is an imperfect country and therefore everything must be dismantled around us which would lead to chaos and uh, anarchy. It's interesting that there are forces uh, promoting this which are essentially, according to their charter, Marxist socialist organizations who care less about black lives with a small b and l as they do about a socialist agenda. But be that as it may, what Abraham Lincoln asserts here is that the ideals upon which the government was founded are something for which this government continually and continuously is to uh, pursue and uh, ascribe to. So that no government on the face of the earth is perfect. Certainly the word of God would reinforce that particular point. However, having said that, there is no country, if you know history very well, who has done more in terms of civil rights in the history of mankind than the United States, her failings and shortcomings notwithstanding. 
So here's the Gettysburg Address. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. I should say um, one parenthetical remark about the phraseology, all men are created equal. This too is framed by Christian, Judeo-Christian beliefs that all descended from the one man, Adam, men and women. So to speak of men is not sexist, but rather speaks of the order of creation uh, under God. Now we are engaged in a great civil war, testing whether that nation or any nation so conceived and so dedicated can long endure. We are met on a great battlefield of that war. We have come to dedicate a portion of that field as a final resting place for those who, have, who gave their lives that that nation might live. It is altogether fitting and proper that we should do this. But in a larger sense, we cannot dedicate, we cannot consecrate, we cannot hallow this ground. The brave men living and dead who struggled here have consecrated it far above our poor power to add or detract. The world will little note nor long remember what we say here, but it can never forget what they did here. It is for us, the living, rather to be dedicated here to the unfinished work which they who fought here have thus far so nobly advanced. Lincoln's reference to unfinished work has to do with the ideals set forth in both the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution, namely the freedom of the individual and that all men are created equal. It is rather for us to be here dedicated to, that, to the great task remaining before us, that this nation under God shall have a new birth of freedom, and that the government of the people by the people for the people shall not perish from the earth. Three points to highlight from his address. Lincoln's address is clearly resting upon the assertion of the Declaration of Independence that all men are created equal. The Civil War was being fought in a quest to advance the cause of the sanctity of life and the freedom and value of every human being. It is also interesting to note that the Republican Party that was formed in 1854, I believe, was formed as the uh, against slavery uh, party. It is interesting also to note in these documents that individual freedom involves sacrifice in service to others or to a higher cause. That's the concept of sacrificial love which we as Christians are particularly uh, familiar with in the sacrifice of Christ and of those who give of their lives so that others might live. On to the preamble of the Constitution, which obviously predated the Gettysburg Address, but the preamble and some selections from the Bill of Rights. We, the people of the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. A more perfect union assumes that the government is not perfect, but that human beings are flawed. Hence, the rule of law is necessary to safeguard freedom and liberty for all. Establishing justice and ensuring domestic tranquility requires the assent of the citizens to the Constitution and the rule of law. To fail to do so results in anarchy and chaos. So once you set aside assent to live under the Constitution and the laws of the land, then the corresponding chaos and anarchy ensue. For the Christian, the fourth commandment authority of the Constitution is paramount and falls directly beneath the allegiance one owes to God. Now that's very important. You can remember in the Acts of the Apostles 
when the civil authorities ordered the apostles no longer to preach in the name of Jesus, but the apostles said, we must obey God rather than men. But in every way in which uh, the word of God is not violated, the Christian in the church is called to assent to the civil authority. Now, the Bill of Rights, some selections here, and I will read just the uh, underlying portions. And then in the brackets, there are indicated here where in the Ten Commandments this material can, can be found and its correspondence. The First Amendment, Congress shall make no, no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. There is the First Commandment, the freedom of conscience to worship Almighty God, or the right of people peaceably to assemble and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. That's under the Fourth Commandment because, according to our constitutional republic, citizenry is given civil authority, and that includes the right to, of redress. It also includes the respectful filing of lawsuits in order to say this is not constitutional, this does not follow what the laws of the land say. That is not prohibited uh, to the Christian. Second Amendment, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's the right of self-defense found under the Fifth Commandment. Amendment 4, the right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated. That's the rights of personal property under the Seventh Commandment, you shall not steal. And the Fifth Amendment, no person shall be held to answer for a capital or otherwise infamous crime without due process of law, nor shall private property be taken for public use without just compensation. So due process falls under the Eighth Commandment. So you have a right to face your accusers, to hear the evidence, and be given the opportunity to defend yourself. And under the Seventh Commandments, again, uh, the protection of personal property. And finally, the Sixth Commandment, to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation, to be confronted with the witnesses against him, and to have compulsory process for obtaining witnesses in his favor, again, echoes the right of self-defense. I think it is imperative for us as Christians to be clear on what the Bible teaches. First and foremost, we live in this world even though we may not be of this world and we are to honor and respect and be engaged in the civil arena, in the public square, out of love for our neighbor. So when Christians uh, petition the government, peaceably assemble and so forth, fight for laws that preserve the sanctity of life over against abortion, infanticide, you know, uh, murdering of children outside of the womb after a botched abortion. This is faith in Christ and love for the neighbor in action for the benefit of all society. So it's not given to us to simply sit on our hands and say, I believe in Jesus and to hell with the world around us. That's not given for us as Christians. Our faith in Christ compels us to engage according to God's word and the dictates of our conscience for the betterment of all humanity. And the universal grace of God in Christ is part and parcel for all people of what dictates our actions. We should never be afraid as Christians to give thanks for the blessings that we have in a civil government not because everyone in civil government, again, is Christian, but because the authorities that exist have been established by God. And you take away the authority in the civil realm under the fourth commandment, and chaos and anarchy ensue. Let us stand for the confession of sins. Almighty God, our maker and redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. 
Wherefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, who has given your only begotten Son to die for us, have mercy upon us, and for his sake grant us remission of all our sins. And by your Holy Spirit, Increase in us true knowledge of you and of your will and true obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us and has given his only Son to die for us and for his sake forgives us all our sins. To those who believe on his name, he gives power to become the children of God and has promised them his Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, Lord, unto us all. Amen. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon the rock. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the Church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help, save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O Lord, grant that the course of this world may be so peaceably ordered by your governance, that your church may joyfully serve you in all godly quietness. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the fourth Sunday after Trinity is recorded in Genesis chapter 50. When Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. So they sent messengers to Joseph, saying, Before your father died, he commanded, saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. Then his brothers also went and fell down before his face, and they said, Behold, we are your servants. 
Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day to save many people alive. Now therefore do not be afraid, I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is recorded in St. Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us stand to hear the Holy Gospel. Alleluia! You sat on the throne judging in righteousness. The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. Alleluia, alleluia. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the sixth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. Judge not. You shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Let us confess the faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Jesus' words are fitting for us to ponder on this weekend of the anniversary of our nation. That God establishes and works through the messy thing called civil government, which is filled with a lot more non-Christians than Christians, is one of the testimonies to his universal grace in Christ for all people. Christian citizens are unique in this world. Our faith in the mercy of God in Christ is why we treat those from radically different points of view with respect and compassion. That none of us deserve what Jesus has done for us in his death upon the cross is why we are concerned with the welfare of our nation and of all our citizens. And so Jesus calls us to faith in that mercy when he says, be merciful, just as your Father in heaven is merciful. It is a call to faith in God's grace, that God's grace might spill over in the way we treat others, especially those who do not know Christ and who believe things that are radically destructive for society and culture. This concept of the mercy of God for the wicked is reflected in all three readings for Trinity 4. Joseph, the prince of Egypt, did not treat his brothers as they deserved, but, they, but forgave them, provided for them, comforted them, and spoke kindly to them. He did so as their brother with a faith in the mercy of God and he took that faith into his governorship as prince of Egypt. Paul encourages us to do the same. In today's epistle, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it is possible, and St. Paul indicates it sometimes is not possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Ultimately, these words are a call to faith in Christ, reliance upon Christ, trust in Christ. The call to faith in that one who is greater than ourselves. Now we're right to be concerned about the disintegration of our society, about the rioting and looting that has taken place, not just in big cities, but in Madison, Wisconsin. In the name of social justice, we're going to smash people's businesses and steal from them. We're right to be concerned about the rise of the atheistic ideologies of Marxist socialism in our country and about the raw hatred that spills over without restraint on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and so forth. We are right to be concerned about these things, to pray God have mercy on us for these things. But ultimately I say to you, in this world of chaos and disintegration, be of good cheer. You belong to Christ. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. He will not forsake his own. That's his promise. He will not abandon his church, which clings tenaciously to his word. And he promises to work his good for you, even though the world at times seems to be out of control. And even when we seem, as Christians, to be the brunt of the fiercest attacks, he promises to work his good for you. Joseph was sinned against by his own brothers, but through it all, God was with him. The Lord was with him as a slave in Egypt. The Lord was with him when he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. 
The Lord was with him when he was unjustly imprisoned because he chose to cover her shame rather than defend himself. What a radical concept. From the time Joseph was sold into slavery until finally becoming prince of Egypt, there was not a thing that happened to him that was very nice. But through it all, the Lord was with him, and he lived by faith in the mercy of God. By the grace of God, he lived in that mercy toward a world that was against him, and he did not seek retribution or payback because he was a recipient of that mercy in Christ for himself. The mercy of God in the Lord Jesus is not only that which saves us, it is also that which transforms us to live in this world, particularly with those who hate our guts. Hmm. Judgment, condemnation, wrath. These things do not belong to the Christian. They belong to God, not us. He alone knows how to mete out judgment and vengeance in his good time. For, the, for us, God has taken away our judgment in the death of his son. Jesus bore every injustice, every one of them, for us. He became a slave for us that we might go free. He received condemnation and wrath that he did not deserve. His undeserved mercy is what makes all the difference in our lives and how we live our lives in this world. It is what characterizes us as Christian citizens. In Christ Jesus our Lord, we are always free citizens. Even if we were to be in bondage under the Third Reich in Nazi Germany, for us as Christians, we are free citizens because we are free in Christ free of sin, free of judgment, free of wrath and condemnation. We belong to Christ. Our engagement in this world is always, therefore, one of respect and compassion and love because we believe in him who is love in the flesh. As free citizens, our greatest privilege in this world is to witness to the mercy of God for those who do not believe in Christ. There is a close correlation between the rejection of Christ on the one hand and the hatred and evil of this world on the other. All evil is rooted in the absence of faith in God's mercy in Christ. Therefore, what the world needs to see and hear most from the church and from free Christian citizens is Christ's love and compassion toward those who hate us and who hate the things that are good. Nothing else will change their hearts. As we live in a world that hates what we believe in, Jesus encouraged us to place all of our confidence in what he has done for us upon the cross. It is common for Christians to hear the words of Luke's gospel as law statements, an if-then statement, but they're actually not. They are an invitation to believe in the gospel. And so Jesus says, judge not. Why? You will not be judged. Condemn not. Why? In Christ, you will not be condemned. Forgive. Why? You will be forgiven. Give. Why? Everything is given to you. Forgiveness, life, and salvation, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and run into your bosom. That's why as Christians, we are always free citizens, no matter how much we may be hated or oppressed by a world around us. We always confess the truth in love. We always stand up for the sanctity of life from conception to natural death. 
We always promote marriage and family as God ordained it. And we always treat our neighbors, regardless of their color or ethnic origin, without partiality, because we all descended from the one man, Adam, and we are all redeemed by the second Adam, Christ Jesus. And above all, we always bear persecution and suffering with joy and confidence because we belong to Christ. In the name of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life everlasting. Amen. Let us pray. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. For an increase of mercy among all the baptized, that they would bless and not curse, forgive as they have been forgiven, give as they have been given to, and speak the truth in love, not with anger and pride, but in mercy. Let us pray to the Lord. For Rosie Copling, Anders Rohde, Mitchell Dubnicka, and Gus Kittemeyer celebrating baptismal birthdays this week, that they may lay aside all the weight and sin which so easily entangles us and run with perseverance the race that is set before them, with eyes fixed upon Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith. Let us pray to the Lord. For all pastors in Christ, that they would remain bold to preach the gospel in its purity and administer the sacraments according to Christ's institution. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For favorable weather and a bountiful harvest, that our crops would receive God's nurture and blessing, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For industries and service sectors of this land, that their labors may be just and the work they do may be profitable for all people. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For a culture of life in our land and throughout the world, that all life from the womb to the grave would be cherished, and that all who view life as expendable would have their hearts and minds changed. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who have been placed in authority over us, that we may be delivered from sedition and rebellion, that they would govern with a mind focused on peace and the general welfare of all. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those serving in the armed forces of our country, especially within our congregation, John Franklin in the National Guard, Jessica Franklin in the Air Force, Mark Miley, the Marine Corps, Yvonne Ingram, the National Guard, and Robert Haga, the Marine Corps. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For an end to the pandemic and for mercy on all who suffer physical, spiritual, and economic hardship because of it, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the freedoms we enjoy in our country, let us give thanks to the Lord that we would never take these freedoms for granted and always strive to defend and protect them, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick, for those preparing to undergo surgery, for the elderly and shut-in, and for all who desire our prayers, especially Abigail from Ghana, whose kidneys have shut down and who is critically ill on dialysis, Roger in his ongoing treatment for cancer, Jeremy suffering with ALS, Katie and her unborn son suffering complications of pregnancy. David Berger recuperating from brain surgery. Jim from pain suffered from fractured pelvis. And Kurt Scheller and Lois Verge in hospice care. That, that according to God's good and gracious will, they may receive healing, comfort, and assurance of his care. Let us pray to the Lord. For those who receive the Holy Communion this day, that they would eat and drink the very body and blood of Christ with faith in these words, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. 
Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. It is truly good, right, and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and magnify your glorious name, evermore praising you and saying, Holy, 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 Lord God of heaven. Heaven and earth are full of thy glory. Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it 
and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. Amen. O Christ, thou Lamb of God, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. O Christ, thou Lamb of God, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. O Christ, thou Lamb of God, that takest away the sin of the world, grant us thy peace. Amen. strengthen and preserve you body and soul in the true faith unto life everlasting. 
soul give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. And his mercy endures forever. Almighty and everlasting God, we thank and praise you for feeding us the life-giving body and blood of your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. Send us your Holy Spirit, that having with our mouths received the Holy Sacrament, we may by faith obtain and eternally enjoy your divine grace, the forgiveness of sins, unity with Christ, and life eternal. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. service, just a couple of announcements to highlight. Because of the uh, heat and the sun, Bible class will be in here, not outside on the patio, but the narthex as well as the Gerhardt room are available uh, so that people can spread out. We will be discussing any follow-up questions from the catechesis on civil government, as well as and particularly the story of Joseph in Genesis 50, which was the Old Testament reading for today. I think that's it. Have a good week. <laughs>